Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Straight Red, the Crawley Town podcast by fans for funds. All the usual coming up in today's episode. We'll look at the form and fixtures, Sergio says, Broadfield buzz, the big question. And it is a big question this week. You've all been answering for us on Twitter and, of course, added time. So, Jonathan, let's start with form and fixtures. Um, it's fair to say it's been an interesting couple of weeks. So started with a bit of a high, then on, went on to a little bit of a low. Do you want to talk us through the results over the last few weeks since episode 10? Yeah, so uh, in March, four points from six at home, which is pretty decent. I think I would have taken that if it was offered to me on the plate at the beginning. However, the past two games, we can't turn our eyes away from it. Nine goals we've conceded uh, and we haven't got a point from, from either of the games against Crew Alexandra and Lincoln City. Absolutely shocking. Having said that, the game against uh, Lincoln City at home, obviously against the, the table toppers, I thought Crawley were pretty decent. They started the game pretty well. Really solid at the back, I thought. But going forward... I think is their weak point, really, if I'm honest. Um, Going forward's been a struggle for a long time. I mean, Ollie Palmer, although our top goal scorer, he seems to be back in a couple of goals now. I think over the Christmas, January, February, he went nine games with with one goal. We haven't got enough goal scorers. Um, And just sort of, you can't get away from the stat, he scored the first goal against Crewe. So that's now nine conceded without reply for Crawley. Yes, uh, it's pretty shocking, really. And, And it's evident that that's an area that Crawley are lacking in. I think it's partly due to the players but also due to the tactics maybe because it was a bit frustrating uh, against Lincoln because the ball was being crossed into the penalty area quite a bit but Ollie Palmer isn't necessarily a, a target man he likes to you know get the ball on the floor and, and shoot a fair bit as well and if anything I don't know if you agree with me I think he's possibly better with the ball at his feet than he is with the ball in his head I mean I know he can head but He's slightly better with the ball at his feet. I mean, don't, I don't think there's ever any game where there's a, a lack of crosses. I think there's maybe a lack of quality crosses, but uh, a striker of Palmer's sort of calibre, you'd expect him to maybe get on the end of more. And you're absolutely right. When he gets the ball at his feet from 30 yards out, he can run into the box and score goals. We, we've seen it happen this season. Um, but again, you can't rely on one player. We've done it in the, we've done it in the past with sort of James Collins um, and strikers before him. But Crawley, there's not... There's some good players. There's not enough quality players in Crawley's team. And we're going to go into a lot more detail in this a little bit later when we talk about Gabriel Chioffi. But at the moment, we've got, what, uh, seven games to go. And if we have a quick look at the table, um, lost our last two. So the last, like you said, it's a good start to the little bit of a campaign there, we'll call it. Four points out of six. I would have said, I think I said in the last podcast, four points out of 12 would be what I'd expect us to get from those games. They were difficult games. And that's what happened, of course, being um, optimistic. You'd like for more, but you have to be realistic in the current circumstances. Crawley 18th on the table, currently nine points above the drop. So, I mean, it's all well and good saying, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much safe, let's be honest. But it's, it's, it's not good enough. It's not, it's, not, it's not an enjoyable experience at the minute. Yeah, and here's another interesting stat to pick up on off the back of that. 16 points collected so far in 2019 in 15 games. That's literally just over about 1.1 points per game. This time last year, 
23 points in the equivalent 15 games that happened in 2018. So that's an average of 1.5 points per game. It's clear to see that yeah, form is pretty down the drain at the moment. And just um, on the form table, if you do follow, follow D3, D4 football on Twitter, or they've got a website and a podcast, they, they do give out some cracking stats. And they did one the other day. And although Crawley are 18th in the table, they're currently 21st in the League Two form table, which takes into account the last six matches. Um, and it's no, it's no surprise whatsoever, is it? it it's, it's, although you had the, the four points from six, which is fine, you'd maybe, to be honest, expected six from six from those two games. Um, but again, it just seems that this, this dip, it's not even a dip. It's just that's our form at the minute. It's lasted so long now. And people are just getting bored of it. I'm getting bored of it. I love going to watch the football, but I'm bored of watching these performances. Yeah, it feels like we've been speaking about it for like the past six episodes or something. But on the, on the sort of region of form here and whether Crawley will stay up or go down, like you said, I, I do think we're pretty much safe. It's not a nice place to to be in, in the in the table. And we did ask a Twitter poll. In fact, we had many Twitter polls. We'll touch on some of them later on. But one I'll just touch on now briefly as we're talking about this kind of thing. We asked the question, how do you see this season ending? 9% reckon that we're dropped to non-league, but a mighty 91% have faith that Crawley will stay up. So that's always positive. And I think it's more of a question of, we want to build going into next season rather than we want to win and just, you know stay for survival this season. Yeah, and, and all the fans that answer, they know the club, they're educated and they're realistic. And I'm, I'm not surprised that 91% said we're going to stay up. I think it's almost done. And the reason I say it's almost done, I had a little look back through the last three seasons to see what points got relegated. So last year, 46 points got you relegated. So Barnet and Chesterfield went down. Morecambe did have 46 points as well, but it went back to goal difference. So 46 points survived. In 2016-17, again, 46 points went down. Uh, Newport County finished 22nd with 48. So 47 would have survived. And in 2015-16, that was a really strange season. Because Dagenham and Redbridge and York City both finished on 34 points, had an awful, awful campaigns. And in fact, that meant 43 points survived. We're currently on 43. I think of our next few games, let's have a quick look. Away at Morecambe tomorrow. And just want to throw in here, me and Jonathan both understand that recording a podcast on Friday is a rubbish, rubbish day to record a podcast. Unfortunately, it was the only day we were both available over the sort of this sort of fortnight window that we had to get the podcast in. Um, but at this point of the season, it, I think we only need probably like five points for our last seven games. So it's not like a critical, critical game tomorrow. You can call it a six-pointer because we're playing Morecambe, who are in 19th, and they need points as much as we do. But as long as Macclesfield and Notts County keep dropping points, um, I, don't, I don't see us being in too much worry, to be honest. Well, we actually play Notts County in a couple of games' time as well at home. So I'm looking forward to that game so much, honestly. But we've got Morecambe tomorrow. We're home to Forest Green, who are sixth. Then we're away to Yeovil, who are 22nd. Away to Exeter, who are seventh. And then home to Notts County, who are 24th. I think I, I, I've said on Twitter a couple of times, and, and just so most of you are aware, if straight red to tweeting, it's 95% of the time it is myself, you and not Jonathan. So it's mainly my opinions and, and stuff I put on there. Um, we should, like you suggested, start putting our initials after it. I, so think, we can... I, th I think that's a bit big time, isn't it? Oh. When, you, when you start putting your initials, it's a little bit big time. Well, we're, done with them. we're there yet. I think we only went over 300 um, followers in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, but look at those fixtures. Over, over the next five fixtures, we're playing the teams in 19th, 22nd and 24th. You've got to say of those five fixtures, you've got to get six you might even get something against Forest Green and Exeter. You never, never know. 
Um, but you'd, you'd think by the time we record the next podcast after Notts County, that'll be our last podcast of the season, I think, after that game, because there's only sort of two games left. We might do a sort of a, a mid-summer roundup. But um, I'd like to think by the next podcast, f- minimum four, maybe six points in the pocket, and that's a sort of safety confirmed. We could even send Notts County down when we play them. Um, and considering the history this year with Cure going to them. Are you still bitter uh, about it? I'm not. I'm not bitter at Notts County, I don't think, because I think Notts County are a big club, loyal fan base, again, great supporters. I think it'd be horrible to see a, a team of that size go down with that many fans. I think it's good to have them in the Football League. I think it's nice when you go to Notts County because it's no doubt about it, no matter who it is, you like going to bigger stadiums, don't you? It's nice for the players to go to bigger stadiums. We tend to, as a club, we've always played a little bit better, um, history says, in uh, against the bigger clubs and bigger away stadiums. So I think it's great to have them in the league. I don't want to see them go down. I think you're probably looking at maybe Macclesfield are, are, are close and it's going to be, be between Yeovil, Macclesfield and Notts County. It looks like at the moment there's a five-point buffer then up to 21st and Port Vale. Um, but uh, we're, we're going a, a bit off track here. The next five games, if we can get four or six, I think that would see us safe. Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy with that, to be honest, <laughs> at this stage of the season now. I've just enough points to keep us in the league uh, and then we can focus on next season. So that's our thoughts. Our good man, Sergio, has he got some thoughts as well on these fixtures? Th- this is generally where Sergio says drops in. Unfortunately... Uh, it's not unfortunately, it's my bad. I, I genuinely, got, I had so much to do this ruddy week. And it was about half an hour ago, I thought, and I was doing my notes, just finalising the notes. And I thought, oh, God. So we don't have a Sergio Says. However, there is Sergio News, of course. And unless you live under a rock, you would, of course, know that is um, the unknown Torres is being officially now released. The official release is um, at the Duke of York Cinema down in Brighton um, on the 7th of April, 8pm. Sergio's been tweeting about it, but the club, Crawley Town in the Mayo and Baxter Suite, will have their own showing of the event as well. That is on April the 10th. That's a Wednesday, 7pm. Doors open at 6.30. £10 a ticket or £20 includes a signed DVD. So you can also watch the film. It's a 93-minute film about his career. Uh, so we're all really looking forward to it. And after the film, you can also ask questions of Sergio and also the director of the film, Jasper Spaniard. So... Come on, guys, let's get behind Sergio with this. He's done so much for the club. Um, Long-term fan, um, fantastic player, always a great ambassador when he was at the club. I really want everybody to get behind him. I've, I've absolutely no doubt they will. Well, it's already time for Broadfield Buzz, Ewan. I can't believe it's, it feels so early on in the episode. But let's before we dive into that, let's just quickly recap on the Salim interview because that's actually our last episode, believe it or not. It feels like ages ago, but that was our last episode. Fantastic reaction to the interview. So well done for the questions and well done to you guys listening as well for pitching your questions. I thought it was very interesting to hear from the man. It was. I mean, like you just said, it seems like so long ago. There's so much has happened since then. It almost feels like old news. But of course, we're going to go back to that. And as you've just said, thank you so much for your questions. We had some absolutely brilliant ones come in. Um, if you didn't get asked, sorry, again, we just got so many. If you asked a very long question, I try to summarise it a bit. And if several of you, of course, asked the same sort of question, we try to rein them all into one. 
as well. So thanks again for your questions. Um, my opinions on the interview. I mean, I know Celine from working at the club. He took over from my role originally as commercial manager before developing into solely director of football. Um, and we got on very, very well. Uh, he is a lovely guy. And uh, do you know what? I'm so glad that he answered the questions uh, so confidently. And um, maybe I think a couple of the answers were maybe uh, they didn't really hit the point. But um, from a political point of view, you can't always answer a straight question if you're asking a hard question. You've got to get around it somehow. But I think he gave us a lot of content. He spoke very well. Um, some and, fantastic quotes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you know what? I think some of those quotes might come back to haunt him. Um, top eight. I think he said top eight. Definitely or guaranteed. I forget the exact quote. He loves a winger. He absolutely bloody loves a winger, doesn't he? Yeah, only two or three or four uh, mentions. But, um, yeah, great for us to get him on. Even the, uh, the Crawley Observer picked up the interview and did, and did a piece on the uh, Crawley Observer News, which is nice, which proves it sort of went down fairly well. And... Do you know what? The feedback online as well. I mean, going into it, I think a lot of people had some angry questions and they were upset with the club's form. But what he got across mostly that, I mean, he's just a human being. He's trying to do the best job he can. And is he doing a good job? That's That's for everybody to sort of have their opinion on. And there's obviously been some some great signings, some questionable signings, and nobody really knows who signs the players. And I, I still don't think we know that that answer to that question. Um, is it Salim? Is it Erdem? I, I think, think it sounds like a mixture, doesn't it? I don't it, really? think, don't think they know who signs. The I don't players. think. I, th- I think Gabby's involvement is maybe ten percent or so. I've no idea. Um, it's a really strange situation, and we didn't really get to the bottom of that. But again, I, had, I did have a couple of comments afterwards. Um, in, in particular sources that said maybe I didn't give him a hard enough grilling. Well, just to point out the fact that we, um, we've got a really good relationship with the club. We can't afford to go in and grill people and give them really hard times because we've got to maintain that relationship. If we lose it, we don't get access to players. We don't get access to staff. It's gone. So I did my best to answer the hard questions in the nicest way as possible. And I think a lot of great answer, a lot of great questions. And it, it was your question, so there was a lot of great questions. And I think he did very well. I think he came across as a really nice guy. And I think afterwards, after it went out, a lot of people realised, you know what? Although maybe don't agree with him, he is a top bloke. Yeah, and my, this is also a separate point in Broadfield Buzz as well, a bit of news, but also linking on to the fact of being harsh and critical of the club at this moment. Um, I, Craig Bratt, who we know as the media officer at, at Crawley Town currently, he, I think, is leaving or has left. Um, uh, ten days' time, I think. So good luck, Craig, going off to Gibraltar to work for William Hill. Yeah, so that that's fantastic for him. Congratulations. He, I think he'll definitely be missed from the club. But I think he, if I'm right in saying, he experienced a bit of uh, abuse directed at him from the fans for, I mean... He, he does his job perfectly fine. I mean, he is the guy who, who runs the social media and, and, and does sort of media things for the club generally. He's not someone who influences what goes on on the pitch. I think, I think fine's an understatement. He, he does a very good job. And I believe there was a comment from a fan after a game that said, you're part of the problem. Well, he's not a part of the problem. He's trying to be part of the solution. Um, so a ridiculous comment. And we don't need that. Um, and again, great work, Craig, throughout the, your time at the club and, and best of luck moving to uh, Gibraltar. I'm sure it's going to be a little bit warmer. Not, not sure how many football clubs they've got over there. I believe the one stadium. Just the one. <laughs> so well, it won't be hard to complete we know, the league. We know where he'll be on a Saturday then. Um, so again, thanks for your questions. Thanks to Salim as well. Um, I know a lot of people at the club listen, so thanks for Salim for your time. And uh, like we said, during that interview, we're going to try and catch up mid-summer or the start of next season. 
um, to see if he still thinks top eight is achievable based on any sort of summer signings and what's been happening. So loads to talk about in Broadfield Buzz. The first one, I'm going to start it off on a positive note, Jonathan, because there's, there's some really interesting conversations coming. And I've mentioned a couple of times in previous podcasts, the D3, D4 football. Uh, Twitter account. They've also got a, a very good podcast and website. They bring out brilliant stats. And I always notice the ones, of course, that I've got Crawley in. So I'm just going to read out three that I've got Crawley in. Um, the first one isn't a good one, but I'm going to finish with two good ones. So least chances created in the top four tiers of English football. OK, so there's 92 teams, right? Let me guess. Crawley Town is not one of them. <laughs> Least, <laughs> least, least chances created. Crawley have created 135 chances. That is seventh from bottom. Wow. Seventh from bottom. Bottom, actually Huddersfield. And even better than that, second from bottom, Brighton. <laughs> so every cloud. But um, again, that just shows that the reason we're not scoring goals is maybe we're not creating uh, enough chances. I don't think that's hard for us to see, no, is it? I don't, but it's a, a very, it's nice to see the stats on paper and get them official because otherwise it's just we're not good, we're not creating chances. We're officially not creating chances. Um, next one. Highest accurate pass percentage in League Two. Forest Green are top with 81%. Bury second, 79 Crawley joint sixth on 76%. Do you know what? I think that's maybe a little bit misleading because I think a lot of those come from the back from Glenn Morris. Yeah. Just out of the back four. Back and forth, back and forth. Build up that stat. But um, of course, any team can do that. But Crawley sixth in the highest accurate pass percentage. Something I did notice that actually against Lincoln, I thought Crawley used the width of the pitch really nicely in midfield. They were stringing together passes very nicely. It is just that final third where they lack. And finally, most successful tackles in League Two. Grimsby at the top with 758 successful tackles. Crawley just scraping into the top 10 with 658. So making lots of good tackles, lots of accurate passes, and not creating any chances is the, uh, the summary. Now, next one, that's a little bit of fun. The next one is fairly serious. Over the last three episodes, before each episode, we've asked you whether you would like to see Choffy in or out, Choffy stay or leave. Let's go back to January the 29th, the first time we asked the question ahead of episode nine. The stats were, Jonathan, 51% Choffy in, 26% Choffy out, and 23% said they changed my mind every week. Only had 61 votes, but still enough for a fairly um, accurate sort of poll across enough fans, I think. We asked it again on March the 2nd, ahead of episode 10, and it had changed dramatically. It was 26% in, 63% out, and now just 11% of people change their mind every week. And we've asked it for a third time, and I think that's the final time. We don't, it's only going one direction. We don't need to change it again. Unless we're in four of the next five, we're not going to ask the question again. Um, but on the 24th of March, just a few days ago, we asked ahead of this podcast, Choffy in or out, 17% in, 78% out, and now only 5% of people change their mind every week, 138 votes. Yeah, it's if I was Chioffe, uh I would be quite haunted by these stats. I mean, obviously he's a professional manager, so I to some extent he's going to brush this off his shoulder because you know he's just got to do his job. He's going to receive criticism everywhere he goes. But and obviously this is not indicative of the whole fan base either. It's just a small snippet. But it's yeah, it's it's quite surprising to see how far that has now pushed. And also just to quickly pick up on Matt Howlett's comment where he says players are telling fans outside of the grounds that they don't rate him, as in they don't rate Trophy. What do you make of that? Um, again, it, it's a little bit hearsay. I wasn't there. I didn't hear the fans. 
if it was just him, I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe him, but you take it with a pinch of salt, maybe. And I, I'd love to have heard it firsthand because I think that is incredibly unprofessional of a footballer in a car park speaking to a fan saying they don't rate. Have you seen any signs yourself of any of the players sort of no, not distrusting Choffy? The, the, the only thing you can come back to is the, the Marais situation when he was not picked for two weeks. And he did say on Twitter that he was absolutely fine. Um, and only a couple of days, I think it was our Slim interview that he said, oh, he's been ill for a couple of days. Well, he'd been out of the squad for two and a half weeks. And what I believe the situation was, as he was leaving the field, I think he was subbed in about the 75th minute against Northampton. And uh, as he came off, um, a bit of a disagreement, let's say, with Chioffi into the changing room. Uh, Chioffi didn't appreciate that, of course, and left him out of the squad for two weeks. That That's what I, I believe the situation was. Um, and also... I, I recall this, and um, from a, this is probably about four or five weeks ago. Um, there was a comment on Twitter that said um, something along the lines of "Choffy's not good enough; he needs to go." And that post was liked by Panuche Kamara about four or five weeks ago. Um, I don't think Panuche realizes that whatever he we can likes, all see we what you're see doing because he likes some raunchy stuff. <laughs> He likes some dirty stuff, that young man. Um, so somebody needs to tell him whatever he likes, we, we do see. Um, and he, he did like a tweet that said, Choffy, along the lines of, Choffy is a good enough, needs to go. Which, that was four or five weeks ago. And since then, we've gone from 51% Choffy in, in the fan base, to 78% Choffy out. Um, Jonathan, on the last podcast, you were Choffy in. Where are you sitting? I am still sitting in Choffy Inn. <laughs> no, I, I think, Let, I, do you know what? This is what makes good debate. Tell us why. Okay, so I think we're too close to the end of the season now. And for, like, if we were to make a change now, I feel like, yes, you do get that new managerial boost, but you've got to go through that whole process of getting a new manager in and, and finding new people to, to replace him. Are you then just going to find someone to replace to the end of the season and then get a new man in the summer? Or are you just going to then let Craig Brewster take over for the remainder of the season? Uh, there's, there's so many sort of uncertainty questions. I feel Crawley just needs some sort of solidarity at the moment. And also, if anything, it will allow us to test the club's theory of give Chofi the summer, let him sign some of his own players and see if form improves. If it doesn't improve, the fans have all of the right in the world then to turn around to the club and say, you, we gave him his chance, he's still not doing well or whatever. We, you know, we need to actually get him out and then the club probably have to do something. Or if, you know, if he turns things around, then we can feel nice that we've trusted the club and that they're speaking some sense. Very, very good. Valid points, Jonathan. I disagree. I think you've got three <laughs> opportunities to, to sack a manager. You can either do it. Let, let's take this situation, of course. You can do it now. You can do it at the end of the season or you can do it part way into the following season. At some point, every manager is going to get sacked, whether it's in, in two weeks' time or two years' time. doesn't matter. You can do it at three points at the end of a season, summer or, or during, and it generally going to be the opening stages of a season. Um, and and um, we always ask, when we ask these um, podcast um, questions for, for Choffy and I, we always ask for your comments. And I think Stu Elmer gave an absolutely cracking comment. And... He said, it's interesting to note that if Choffy had been in charge from the start of the season, with his points per game ratio, we'd currently be in the bottom two. You can't get, I don't think you can get away from that. And thanks, Stu, for pointing that out. Um, that, that's the biggest, if you're a manager, that's the only stat that matters, surely, points per game. And, and during his reign, we'd, we'd be in the bottom two. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, it's points that matter, not how you play. I think, 
I prefer the way that Chelfe plays as opposed to Harry Kuehl's style uh, yeah, of football. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I didn't enjoy watching Harry Kuehl's team whatsoever. But he got his points. He did get his points. Um, oh, man. I mean, what's the stat again? Let me just scroll back up. 78% out. I think the really interesting bit of this, this is um, hardly anybody's now on the fence. There's only 5% that say I change my mind every week. You're either in the in camp or you're in the out camp. So I'm going to go through um, a few comments because it's all well and good sort of being Jonathan sitting here giving our opinions, but it's really, a, a, this is a, a forum for everybody to, to share their thoughts. So I'm going to go through a few that came from uh, the third of those questions for Choffy in out. So let's read through some. So Peter Bellamy, I think there's more chance of Theresa May getting a deal through Parliament than the club sacking or replacing Choffy, certainly before the end of the season. So agrees with you there, Jonathan, really, apart from I think he is out. If they change the manager in the summer, they'll only get another inexperienced one in this place. So I'm, I'm fairly sure he voted out. Um, again, that fantastic stat from Ch from Stu Elmer, Kieran Sullivan. Now I, now I know Lincoln are top of the table, and after yesterday, um, game after day after the game, of course, it's hard, it's not hard to see why. However, when you lose six one last week, you expect to see hunger, and there was none. His in-game decisions, subs or lack of, are questionable. Seven wins in thirty six um, tells its own story. He's seen enough. Yeah, first sub I think last game was just on the eightieth minute. That's quite a late and, substitution. And we're what, already 5-1 down. Oh, no, no. Sorry, against Lincoln. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, and we were 3-1. 3-0 down. 2-0 down. 2-0 down, down yeah. But, uh, yeah, bizarre. But um, let's carry on. Stephen North, one of the very few still in the in-camp alongside you. Maybe it was just you and him that voted in, Jonathan. <laughs> so Stephen North said, I will remain Chioffi to stay until he can get in players who can play to his style. He is learning his trade and has made lots of mistakes. But on our budget, we need to cut our cloth accordingly. And we'll be in division. We'll be a Division Two team next year, which is an achievement in itself. Is it an achievement in itself with a top ten budget? I don't think it is. Ben CTFC is a massive trophy out. Just need to look at the results. Robert Layton out for me. There's no real sign of any system. Team changed every week, and there's a few players just not good enough. Can't sort of disagree well, there. I, I do disagree. Maybe on the team changing, I feel like there is. A general core set of players that maybe one or two get swapped out but you very rarely see you know four or five swaps per week I would say but no valid point for the rest of it only a couple more Neil Hobbs unfortunately I've well and truly moved into the Choffy out camp real lack of direction from the dugout over the past few weeks which worries me yesterday was an example of waiting to lose even when at half time the game was still alive second half was terrible and uh, finally just on this one Ivan Knoll voted for, your, for Choffy out but only if the club is prepared to invest in a tried and tested manager we don't have a bad squad of players but Choffy has struggled to get the best out of them as of the previous experimental managers well, yes, I think a lot of those comments alluded to maybe some more investment is needed. On the note of investment, Ewan, a big thing has happened recently with a certain Mr. It, Paul John Hayward. It really has. Or um, Hong Kong Paul, as, he, as he's better known. Um, so for the for the very very few of you who don't know maybe who Paul is uh, benefactor from 2000 to two, sorry 2010 to 2016 alongside Bruce Winfield and Susan and Ian Carter put loads of money into the club we're, we're talking millions and millions saw immediate success two uh, promotions back to back then things tailed off a bit because th that amount of investment to get there to maintain that you're asking a couple of people to put in millions of their own pockets every single week and every, every sort of year sorry a bit like Zaya is at the moment but without the, the sort of similar success um, do we know what Paul does for a job to earn this cash he is in um, in several industries out in uh, is, is it 
Hong Kong, of course. It's Hong Kong Paul. I'm trying to think, where is he based? Um, I think it's like a, it's entertainment, it's hotels, nightclubs, um, that that kind of thing. It's all. It's, the thing is, if, you, if you're new to Paul, it was all a little bit secretive for the first sort of four or five years. Nobody really knew who he was, where he came from, where the money came from. But that that was part of the like the excitement. Who who is our owner? And eventually, right at the end, he came out and said who he was, where he's from, why he's put the money in, um, and he's still an absolutely massive, massive Crawley fan. Yeah, I was going to say, a question that has arisen to the front of my mind as a result of all of this, I feel like, I'm not doubting he's a massive Crawley fan, but I feel like he's he's been very sort of like under the radar, just sort of sitting there, and then suddenly out of nowhere now, it's this burst of, I want to invest in the club, I want to really, really help you guys, I want to pour everything into it, but it seems to have come out of nowhere, and I can't help but feel a little bit suspicious about I, it. I, th- I think it's more like the straw that breaks the camel's back. I mean, I'm going to put my cards on the table. I, I'm, I get on very well with Paul. Obviously, I was there when I was there during his whole tenure as a benefactor. Got on very well. I'd, I'd go as far as to say I consider him a friend. I speak to Paul on the phone maybe once a month, once every two months maybe. We don't always talk football because we, we get on very well. And um, he, Paul is not just a football fan or uh, some rich guy. He's a very clever man, extremely clever. He's very well read, very well educated. And um, again, I get on with him very well. And on March the 16th, and, and, and it's not just me. I think a lot of fans during his tenure, I think... Those that were willing to approach him, if they knew who he was, because he did come to quite a few games, especially in the first few seasons, he was there quite a lot. And any fan that was willing to approach him and engage with them, he would absolutely engage with them back. And you see on Twitter, there's a lot of people that will uh, message him. And you, you see the messages coming back and forth because it's all sort of live. Um, and he gets on with a lot of fans. And those that are willing to engage with him, he will absolutely engage with you as a, as a, as a fellow Crawley fan. And he is a massive Crawley fan. What's happened over the last year, I think, he's always been watching Crawley Town. He's, he's maybe a lot more uh, active recently, of course. But I think that's as a result, first of all, maybe being a bit quiet was respect to the current owners. Don't If you've just sort of sold the club, um, I believe he was sort of giving them advice in the early days at least um, because it was, although they were sort of not new to football, they were new to the English Football League. Um, and then maybe taking a step back and letting them do what they need to do and sort of um, trying to flourish on their own. But over the last sort of eight to six weeks, Paul's very on the ball with what's happening at the club, um, inside and out, and as a fan and as a, as a um, formerly involved as well. Um, and he's got to the point, like a lot of fans have, he's just he's seen enough. And he's maybe going to step now back into the spotlight and say, you know what, I stepped back, I've been observing, and I think you need my help. And I think absolutely undoubtedly that the club do need his help. And or those eyes putting millions in, um, maybe I think they've got to sort of re- reach a hand out and say, you know what, we do need a bit more help than what you were maybe offered in the person. Maybe they turned the help down after a little while and said, look, we can do this on our own now. They're struggling. It's, it's undoubtable they're struggling. And on March the 16th, um, Paul tweeted, I'm seriously thinking of forming my own CTFC Supporters Association with like-minded fans, really get behind the club financially and with positive attitude. Why not? I've got a great relationship with the club. Anybody interested? Got 36 likes and 13 comments. And Paul, um, he's he's not got a massive amount of followers, but that's because he only allows Crawley fans. 36 likes on that. I I think that's the most likes he's ever had on a tweet. Um, And then incredibly, two days later, and this is the type of guy he is, and this is why I like him so much. He tweeted again on two days later, in your honour, I would like to donate £100 for everybody that liked my previous tweet, totalling £3,000 to sponsor and refurb 
the kids' devil's den in the southeast corner of the stadium, PlayStations, TVs, games, and a ton of Crawley Club shop gifts for the little ones. That's incredible. That he, didn't need, nice. he didn't need to do that whatsoever. And it was three grand, because at the time it was 30. Then a few people tried to throw some more likes on, get a bit more money, but I think it's set at three. Um, so he, he genuinely, when I speak to him, he, he speaks with so much passion about the club. He cares so much. I know when he was um, sort of not, not in charge, but the, the main sort of benefactor, that um, it, it was his life and soul. Every single day. Um, and and I, think it, I think it might still be. And it, it's coming back that way as well. I think, yeah, he's been pretty respectful in, in how he's reacted to all of this as well. So just to summarise, because there's been quite a few different tweets from him, essentially, we now have a previous invest investor who's now interested in reinvesting in the club again going forward. And he might come to England, I think, in May, is it, to have a, dis a yeah, more formal I think, I discussion? Think, I think he did say May, yes. So basically what, what we did next after seeing those couple of tweets, um, we put out the big question. We always have, try and have a big question every single episode. And this time, the big question was, in reference to Paul's recent tweets, should the Crawley Town ownership accept Paul's offer to come back and help turn the club around? Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to invest some money, help the club. Um, we had 129 votes. There was 84% yes and 16% no. Okay, and I know for a fact because I spoke to him about it. He he could not believe the positive response. Absolutely overwhelmed by it. Um, and I think he had a, he maybe doubted it that it would be that much that's sort of that high percentage in his in his favour. Um, I had none whatsoever when I spoke to him about it. I said you're probably going to get about eighty five, maybe ninety percent. Um, he thought it might be fifty fifty. It's eighty four percent, and that was sort of overwhelmed him. And we we did ask for comments, um, or people left comments at least. And here's an example. So Andy Sammy said, owners need, owners need help and advice. Paul's history with the club says it all. Stuart Frost, frankly, we need all the help we can get at the moment. And we know he's capable and definitely on our side. Sarah Moylan, a big 100% yes from me. Sam Cook, I think it's good for the club, but the owners would, would never do it. Seriously undermines them. Does it? Do they cut their nose off to spite their face by turning down money, um, by trying to prove that they can do it on their own? I think so this help, just to jump in, uh, the idea of help, is this financial? Is this? I believe so, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to come on to that in a second. Because he's um, got experience as well, hasn't he? So is he going to offer his advice as well as help? I, I will absolutely come on to that. Um, last couple of comments from that tweet. Um, Matt Howlett said, what numpties are, are voting no? Um, so calling Sam Cook a bit of a numpty there, maybe. Um, but there weren't many no's. There was maybe um, less than sort of 15 no's, really, over that whole percentage. No, like 20 or so out of the 129. Um, Paul Searle, the current owners have taken us backwards and they're increasing the budget, yet this club is still not meeting their expectations. Time for them to accept help or sell the club. And Adam, uh, 51, said, yes, absolute no-brainer, given all he did for the club. So I think, like I've just mentioned, um, Paul was overwhelmed with that. The positive comments absolutely flying through. And then he said on March the 27th, so the day after the poll, he said, yesterday, wow, an eye-opener. To all the people who voted yes, 100 plus, and tweeted positive words, you've made my day. Motivational stuff. Let's see. Let's all get all behind gets behind the players and the team. Tell them they're going to win on Saturday. Um, and then he said later in the day, he tweeted, "Today I spent an hour on the phone with CTFC discussing a seven-figure investment that would take CTFC to a higher level. I intend to fly to the UK in May to discuss it to discuss it further. Your poll support fired me up." That's, I think, embodies what more than what I wanted this podcast to be really because. 
Uh, we started this obviously to create a safe space for all Crawley Town fans to air their opinions, air their views. But it's just, I think, fantastic that this has now become a place where people can come to it and the club look to it as a kind of a real source of, oh, yeah, that that's what the fans are thinking and things are going to be acted upon, hopefully. And, it, you know, if you know, a couple of months down the line, Paul does end up investing in this, I think that will be... Do, do you want us to have lots of credit, basically? <laughs> Not lots of credit. I did see your ch- a cheeky comment about ten percent cut. I, I did try and negotiate a thirty percent poll um, investment, but uh, doesn't come to fruition yet. Keep you updated. We, we would, of course, invest that back into the club. Um, I don't think it's credit for us. I think it's more really exciting to see the f- the fans really being listened to, and this is a channel that that's happening. Absolutely, and there's there's plenty of channels. We're just one of plenty of channels, but it's great to see. It's a space for everybody to get behind and. Everybody that voted yes, you've made a difference by voting yes. You can count yourself partially responsible for Paul putting seven figures well, into the football Well, it's not confirmed plan. yet, but when it is, right? If and when, yeah, absolutely. But if you voted yes, you're part of that. You, you're possibly creating the next step for Crawley Town Football Club. So we thank you so much for getting involved. You always do with your comments as well. And comments coming back off uh, Paul's last tweet that I mentioned there. So he's discussing putting in the seven figures. A couple of responses to that one. John Lucy, the best news I've heard in years. Let's hope and pray the Turks have the sense to listen and get you on board pronto. Martin King said, thanks for this, Paul. Gives me hope. And your next beer is on me. Alan Harper Hope that your meeting with the club proved positive and successful. It's a great offer to the club and time to move forward again. Paul Searle, wow, seven figures just shows how much you love the club. I just hope the owners accept and you bring, uh, you're brought back on board. Some more fruitful replies. Steve, CTFC83, said, Thank F for that, you beautiful person. Michael Gill, get the F in. And Bruce Wells um, really took it to the gutter. He thinks he's got a hard on. <laughs> so some quite strong feelings of uh, of love there, really, from Absolutely, the fans. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have to say, though, to be a little bit sceptical about this, just to ask a question. I know he's doing this or appearing to do this out of love, but at the end of the day, he is a businessman. Surely there's got to be some sort of incentive that he's going to get something back from this as well. Would would you not, as a businessman, you couldn't just pour something out, pour money into something just purely out of love? I you? don't think any businessman buys a football club to make money. Football clubs are toys for rich people. Whether it's Crawley Town or Manchester City, football clubs are toys for rich people um, to play with. And Paul played with it very well for five years, put millions of pounds in. Um, I know when he went to Manchester United, like we all did at, at Old Trafford. That was one of the highlights of his life, taking his family to that game and showing them what can be achieved. And it was absolutely incredible. None of us that were there will ever forget that FA Cup run. It was absolutely, um, again, just you'll never forget it. Um, and I, I genuinely think Paul is doing it for the love. What, what, what He's not going to financially gain by putting seven figures into the club. He's not going to get that money back. And well, let's have a look at sort of where we think the money might go. I think the biggest mistake may be looking back, and I think... I think Paul would have not discussed this with him um, specifically, but I think if he looks back on his five years, the mistake that was made between him, um, the Winfields and the Carters, that was money, the money was spent on far too many marquee signings. Yes, it brought instant success. Yes, it got the crates from 1,000 up to 4,000. Yes, we went to Old Trafford. Yes, it was incredible. Would the money have been better spent on infrastructure? Because that marquee signing is fantastic. Where are those marquee signings now? 
They're either old or retired or gone somewhere else. If that money had been spent in infrastructure, that would have built a platform that we could still be building on now. Yes, we wouldn't have got promotion, promotion, FA Cup run, FA Cup run. However, I believe we'd probably be in a better position now, 18th in League Two, than we would be if that had been invested in training grounds, um, stadium, match day experience, those type of things. So I would I would not expect to see, let's, let's say this happens and Paul puts seven figures in or more, I would be very surprised if that turned into sort of three players on 300 grand a year, something like that. I would be, um, I would expect to see, first of all, Training ground, absolutely critical. Um, because although we've got Matty Willock from Manchester United, what Premier League teams or championship, team, championship teams are going to send players to Crawley when the best we can offer them is a sub, like a, a, a rented, I think we're at Nuffield Health at the moment, but sub-standard facilities. We've barely got a grass pitch to play on apart from the stadium. We're playing on 3G, as far as I know, sort of, 80% of the time, who is going to send their top-class young players to get experience at Crawley Town? I don't think any are. You put a million quid into a training ground, you get grass pitches, you get some 3G, you get an on-site gym. They haven't got to travel to Nuffield. Everything's in one place, right? You've got some physio rooms, etc. That builds a platform. So maybe we're not going to get the championship in, what, eight years' time now, but we might be solidified in League One in maybe five or six years' time. The money can only go to infrastructure. Yes, no, I, I think I really agree with that. I couldn't agree anymore. And it might tie in really nicely because obviously I think Joe mentioned a couple, Joe Comper that is from the club, mentioned a couple of weeks ago that they had identified a few places for a training ground. This investment from Paul might tie in quite nicely that, which might will be fantastic. And I would like to say, just put it on the record, yes, I have just asked those slightly sceptical questions about this, but in my heart, I absolutely can't wait for Paul to do all of this I, I I'm bowled over by love uh for him for doing all of this I'm just you know like to ask the questions to entertain hey, some sort of other options we've got to ask we've got to we've what we've got to do on this podcast is raise the questions that everybody's asking even if we're not asking them ourselves or we don't agree with them we've got to talk about it because people are talking about it um and I mean what that comes on to what have I got here next um oh yeah I mean I'd say no marquee signings unfortunately if there is going to be money invested in a uh, an individual at the club, I'd like to think it was maybe a more experienced manager rather than a couple of players that are going to sort of um, suck in suck out the budget. Um, but hey, that that's that will be decided over the next weeks and months. I'm certain. And um, funnily enough. That got us again in the Crawley Observer, Jonathan. So those comments and that poll uh, got in the Crawley Observer. So hopefully reaching a wider audience. And the reason we say it is not to build our own ego. It's just to get more people talking about it. And the more people that can join us on Twitter or, or, or join in the forum, the more people that are talking, we've just seen that if people get together and give a joint opinion on something... You can make change. You can, you can make it happen. And we started this podcast nine months ago. Um, and if you'd said, look, let's get everybody together and, and we could potentially help get people uh, sort of talking about one subject and one vote. God, votes and referendums and Brexit. I, hate talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go in that direction. <laughs> but um, when people vote, they can make change. So thank you again so much for getting involved. Um, you, you're making a difference. Well, what an interesting big question that was you and to discuss. Now it's on to the final segment of this podcast 
episode and that is added time i believe you have a few things just to chuck in just before we say goodbye yeah so this is where we look forward and just sort of rein things up that's coming up uh, between now and the next podcast but not necessarily matches and the club have stated that they are delighted to confirm that our end of season glenn morris awards gala dinner will take place on tuesday april the 30th in the arundel suite at the crane plaza so that's um, an annual event where uh, glenn morris gets player of the season and uh, fans play their season every single year um unfortunately can't a win top goal scorer. That is clearly going to go to uh, um, Oli Palmer. Oli Palmer. At the moment. <laughs> trying to think of the name. Um, and I think the CTSA give out an award as well. I think GH coaches maybe give out an award as well. But uh, plenty going on. Um, the Easter Egg Appeal, this is an annual event for Crawley Town Football Club, the Chestnut Treehouse Easter Egg Appeal. You can drop them into the club anytime you like and all of them go to Chestnut Tree House. It's in its eighth year and the, the appeals so far in its eighth year have brought in nearly 3,000 Easter eggs being no, donated to the children and families at Chestnut Tree House. Fantastic charity, fantastic cause. Get your Easter eggs down to the club whenever you're around, not just match day, but any time you can take it into reception. And general manager Bruce Tolbert, former guest on the Straight Red podcast, he is walking 40 miles. So communications, uh, it says communications money, he's general manager, uh, is seeking the support of Reds fans when he takes part in this summer's charity challenge being organised by the EFL for the league's chosen charity, Mind. The one thing I love about Mind, other than being a great charity, um, is their marketing team, having the little squiggle on the back of every single shirt in the Football League this season, if you've not seen it. If you're wondering, if you look at a backup player shirt and you wonder, what is that little squiggle that is the mind logo so they're on every single shirt this year and so along with representatives from each of the 72 other clubs Bruce will be undertaking a 40 mile overnight trek in the peak district in July so good luck Bruce and um, what we'll try and do is send a tweet out to his uh, fundraising page and so look out for that and as we always do GH coaches the away travel providers the, uh, the Harper clan. Um, we've got a couple of uh, games coming up, of course. Morecambe, which is tomorrow. We won't mention that. Morecambe, that is a long way away. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I absolutely admire anybody going on the coach. It's an overnight trip with 70 quid. Um, includes B&B, etc., etc. Oh, Jonathan, I tried to go a whole podcast without saying etc., etc. <laughs> <sighs> right at the end and the reason stumbles. the reason I say that is I, I'm very aware I always give one listen back to the podcast at the end of each one and I was very aware for some reason in podcast 10 I think I said etc etc I think I stopped counting at 30 I started doing my own head in so I promised myself I wasn't going to do it in this episode and there it is but never mind we're also playing Carlisle oh that's even further away than Morecambe that is another overnight trip it's 80 quid uh, and that includes a B&B buffet lunch coach fair um, so get on the GH Coaches website. Apart from that, that's the really long ones. Yeovil on Saturday the 13th of April. Coach departs the stadium at 9am. Uh, it's as ever, 20 quid with a buffet stop. Wonderful. Exeter City, Good Friday, 19th of April. 1pm kickoff. Leave the stadium at 7am. Again, 20 quid. With a breakfast stop arranged to the Eagle Tavern on the A303 near Ulminster. Uh, so that's me for added time and pretty much the podcast. Jonathan, anything to add at the end? Yes, well, we have mentioned our thanks for all of you guys commenting on Twitter, giving us such a great feedback and response. Something I would like to request is that if you guys could also take that response over to maybe some of our SoundCloud platforms or on iTunes, that would be really great as well. It just kind of uh, 
adds to the the value of the podcast and and allows our discussions to be seen on on, on more platforms as well. Twitter is great, but obviously not everyone has Twitter, uh, and so especially SoundCloud, it would be fantastic if we could get some more interaction on there. And the more interaction we have, the more we can do uh, with the podcast going forward. So that's fantastic. Now I would just like to leave us on a quote from Hong po- <laughs> from Hong from po- Hong Hong Kong Fall. <laughs> From Hong Kong Paul himself in the Crawley Observer after his little chat with him, I believe. Crawley is capable of beating anyone. We have to go back to the mentality of a giant killer and making our home ground a fortress. So let's all get behind Crawley in these final few games, I think. Uh, let's really make the club a really powerful place uh, to play football, a really hostile place for other teams to come and play. And hopefully this coming summer we'll see a really big turnaround in the club and, and really get fired up for next season. So from you and myself, I think it's a goodbye for now. Yeah, very well said, Jonathan. And um, again, let's hope by episode 12, we can sit here with a confirmation of League Two status. But again, as Jonathan said, everybody behind the club, we know you will anyway. But uh, let's look forward to the next few games and get over that line. So thanks for listening. Look forward to speaking to you in episode 12. We're going to hopefully have a guest on. Um, it, it, it might even be Hong Kong Paul. Never know whenever that guest is, whenever he's going to be. Uh, we might even put a poll out for if you want him to be on the show. I'm sure it'd be a yes. I think he's over in May, like he said. So loads to look forward to. Uh, look forward to seeing you at the next few games. Always come over and say hello if you want to. Any questions, we're always happy to answer them and uh, have a chat. But until then, thank you so much for listening. From Jonathan and me, goodbye. Bye-bye.